You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Again, uh, welcome to the Safe Senior Hour. Joe Gavallis here. Um, I hope you're all doing well. It's uh, uh, always uh, nice to be back. I, we just had some bad storms, and um, I'm looking forward to um, uh, getting back uh, this week, getting back in business here, helping to fight uh, elder abuse here. Um, I have a huge uh, uh, presentation to be do, uh, coming up in over in uh, eastern Georgia and um, then some at with some seniors uh, later in north Georgia. So uh, things are moving, people are listening, and more importantly, we, we're educating. And that's what this radio show is about, the safe, uh, the safe Senior Hour. Uh, member here is trying to get people to help uh, get educated and then educated their their friends, their relatives, and their loved ones about the aspects of elder abuse. And as you know, as we talk about elder abuse, we talk about three kinds, physical, financial, and institutional. And uh, it's important that we're all aware of each and every one of them. As you know, the uh, senior generation is uh, uh, elder generation is the fastest growing uh, population and so we need to look out for each other and need to help each other who the few that have been uh, abused either physically financially or institutionally the uh, remember you always can um, email us at safe at america's web com. any comments suggestions or topics you'd like us to discuss uh, today, it's basically we're going to do a catch-up, a, a review on some uh, topics. As, as always, we like to update uh, uh, everybody on the latest frauds that have been taking place and successes in prosecuting them. And uh, as I'm looking at one here, it is a successful um, uh, prosecution in Rhode Island where a Rhode Island resident admitted participation in an international telemarketing scam targeting elderly citizens. Uh, it goes on to say that the victims were all elderly victims in the United States. Uh, and the gentleman who was arrested uh, would uh, lead the, the way in contacting the victims by telephone, to believe they have won or parties in a lottery sweepstakes. However, they were told their winnings will not be uh, released to them without upfront payment of taxes or fees. Remember, that's one of the, the items we tell everybody to be careful about, is that if you win something and you're required to uh, pay upfront fees, taxes, or whatever it is, uh, don't do it. Uh, if if they want you to continue, they would take the money out of your winnings. So please don't fall for this this these frauds. But they're very common. Um, apparently, the individual um, had at least twenty uh, victims. Um, and they were using the United States postal packages of money grams and Western Union to transfer money. 
among the uh, payments was a check for $25,000 where people got that bold and took it. And then, of course, these documents and these um, items that the law enforcement can pinpoint and locate help in any prosecution of, uh, of these perpetrators. Uh, the federal government says almost any, anyone under the right circumstances can fall for a phony offer or, or promotion. However, older Americans are usually more susceptible than others. Uh, that was from the inspector in charge of the U.S. Postal Inspection Division Boston Service. Uh, scammers lure victims in with promises of large financial winnings that are hard to turn down. The financial devastation some uh, victims face is irreversible. Uh, this is very true. I was up in, um, in uh, North Georgia, Tennessee area where a, a woman um, told me about her sister uh, honestly believed that she won the publishing clearinghouse sweepstakes even though she had never she didn't play it she got a phone call said she won it and was so sure she won it that she saw it on television how they how they come and uh, they meet you at the door and they have balloons and present these giant checks and she was so sure that she had won it but when in reality uh, it was a scam um, she's had to pay up um, she was into about $40,000 on upfront fees, and as we tell everybody, as long as you're willing to pay money, the scammers are willing to uh, constantly deal with you. In this case, after they told her she won the sweepstakes, that she, they even have better news for her, that not only did she win the sweepstakes, she won a brand new uh, uh, Mercedes automobile. But it's one of these, uh, you know, these big Mercedes that cost well over a hundred thousand. And advisor, she needed to pay approximately twenty thousand dollars in upfront fees, making her out about sixty thousand. And when her relative talked to her, she was so sure that any day now, people will be at her door with the balloons, with the big check, and more importantly, they'll drive up in our brand new Mercedes. It took a lot of meeting with the woman from both the professionals, from her relatives, and other loved ones that she trusted, and finally convinced her that this was a scam. So, you know, people want to believe what they want to believe. $60,000 is a lot of money. It was a lot of money to this woman. But again, it was these fraudsters prey on seniors because seniors, as we talked about before, our generation is very trusting. Uh, number one, our, our uh, generation has been able to save a little bit of money, whether it's actual cash in a bank, money through investments, or just, um, as I had somebody in, in the mountains tell me, they got a little box full of money that nobody can find for that special day or that special thing, especially to take care of their grandkids, which brings up the third uh, item about the seniors, excuse me, and elderly, is that uh, they're very family-oriented and love their family, love their kids, but really love their grandkids. And the fraudsters play on that. But here's an example. Uh, these are this is a Jamaican um, 
lottery that that uh, they used as the vehicle to scam this woman, and the uh, perpetrator luckily admitted in federal court to 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 the scam. So we, as we can see, as people are actively working these type scams, and that's in the United States. But let's go to uh, around the world. This is one in Singapore. You know, we have we have spoken over and over again about romance scams, and how they're not just in your town, your area. They're all over, all over the world, and that you're not alone if you've been scammed. Or your relative is not alone if you hear about it, them being scammed. Um, here it is, the headlines out of, the, the, uh, out of Singapore. Singapore woman makes $36,000 off a love scammer and then loses it to another scammer. And the interesting point about this is that this woman uh, pleaded guilty to spending cash that a love scammer had deposited into her bank account from scams that she fell for herself, meaning that she was uh, 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 the part-time uh, English teacher claimed that a thief on a uh, bike stole her money and asked for help to pay rent. Um, she also said, according to, to the arrangement where she pled guilty, that she was supposed to keep a certain uh, amount of money from a check that was given to her to deposit in her account and then pay the money to some other people. Uh, this is just another form of the scams where people are just taken in by people who they think are, are, are the one or somebody that they fall in love with over the computer. So just be careful, but this shows you it can take place uh, and all over the world. In fact, in this case, they asked a woman in Singapore to deposit the money in a Malaysian bank. So it, it, it is obviously a worldwide issue. We all should be aware of it. We need to address the issue. Uh, it happens more than we think. And I think that uh, the activity of law enforcement working together has helped um, stop uh, or help educate uh, the seniors and help stop to a certain extent some of these crimes from being committed. People are coming out. Remember, the estimate is one in every five, only one in every five uh, frauds perpetrated on the elderly uh, ever gets reported. So that means four people are being defrauded and nobody knows about, or the law enforcement doesn't know about it. So I think that we need to constantly look and try to improve our education and try to help people. Uh, the uh, California, in, in the United States, the California Attorney General gets 1.5 million judgment against seven telemarketers who called investment fraud victims claiming falsely they could get their money back. Well, as we've always said, that, that there are three, three lists that fraudsters maintain. Uh, and we get this from people who work on the inside or who are arrested or who, or who come forward and give information. One is a list that 
I hope everybody's on. It's a list where the phone is not answered and they won't talk to you. Uh, remember, we tell everybody, if you don't know the telephone number, you don't recognize it, uh, please uh, wait and see what message they leave. They don't leave a message. It wasn't that important. And when you listen to the message and they say they're with X, Y, and Z company or X, Y, Z police department or X, Y, Z uh, federal agency, you independently call that agency and said you just got a, a, a call from X, Y, and Z. It's important because people can claim who they are over a phone on a recording and, and, it, and it probably is not true. So remember that. If anything of significance, usually it'll come through the mail in an official letterhead and where you can independently call back to, for example, the IRS scan. You can, you can deal with the IRS as an individual. IRS is not going to call you. So in this case here, these are people who uh, uh, will uh, promise to get the money back. And uh, because they've heard that you've been scammed. And remember, once you're scammed, you then go on another list. And that's the big list because they figure if you paid money once, you'll pay it again. So with that, we'll take our break from our first segment on the Safe Senior Hour. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Well, welcome back to the second segment of the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, in the first hour, we've been um, trying to summarize some of the uh, fraud activities that have been going on, and today we're going to go over some um, various uh, items that we're looking just to update concerning the uh, abuse that affect the elderly. Remember that's uh, as we 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 have narrowed it down to three physical, financial, and institutional abuse. And so we, uh, we, like to we like to go through every once in a while and just rehash things for people and go over and for uh, our listeners, maybe some new listeners, what they need to look for here. Um, we're right now trying to update some uh, matters that have been happening dealing with the various financial frauds that are going on. And we, again, thank our, our friend Steve Baker from the Baker Fraud Report. And I um, encourage you all to Google and sign up for the Baker Fraud Report. It gives you a good summary for what's going on around the world here. Uh, we just uh, got a, um, a notification here on the um, – that – and I believe it was in California that they've added another defendant to the uh, to a big case they made dealing with uh, posing as uh, IRS agents in a tax uh, fraud. And as you remember the the tax financial fraud scheme is people are posing whether you're in the United States, Great Britain, Australia all over the world, that they represent the taxing organization and that they are um, uh, calling you to say you owe, mon um, you owe money or you haven't paid your taxes and they can handle the situation if you uh, paid an upfront money or they'll come out and arrest you. Well, the reality is nobody's going to come out and arrest you, that people don't call and tell you they're going to arrest you. Um, that uh, they will, uh, they're going to arrest you, going to arrest you. I'm a retired federal agent, and nowhere do you call people and say, I'm coming out to arrest you, because I'm sure if I called most of you and said, are you coming out to, um, to, um, to arrest you, a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to be here. Uh, I just looked, uh, just got some information here that, uh, we were talking about romance scams before that were going on in Singapore. And we come up here and say eight Chicago area residents are among 10 individuals charged a part of an international investigation into online fraud schemes, including romance scams. Uh, the Chicago based investigation dubbed Operation Goldfish, and that's spelled P H I S H rather than F-I-S-H. And fish means, you know, that fishing. Uh, it means they're out there just throwing out bait, throwing out fraudulent statements, fraudulent lies to get people to, to buy into these scams. Uh, the Chicago-based um, operation Goldfish identified a variety of cyber-enabled fraud schemes allegedly carried out by individuals in the United States and Nigeria. 
one of the schemes, romance scams, in which a defendant builds trust with a victim through a purported online romance before convincing the victim to send money to a predetermined uh, recipient. The defendants contacted victims via websites such as Match.com, Facebook, and Instagram. And again, this can be equally male and female uh, victims, and and I've spoken to both, and it's very, um, very, very concerning to hear how these these victims um, got conned into believing number one that somebody on the internet who they never met, never saw, uh, getting conned to send them money. Uh, Another cyber, and we've spoke on this briefly in a previous show, another cyber-enabled fraud allegedly carried out by the defendants involved a mysterious shopper, a mystery, <laughs> mysterious, a mystery shopper scam in which the victims were fraudulently offered opportunity to receive commissions for evaluating services such as Western Union and MoneyGram. The victims received a check with instructions to deposit in their bank account, withdraw the money in cash, and wire to a predominantly third party. The check turned out to be fake, and the victims were defrauded of the money they had written or withdrawn from their accounts, the charges alleged. Remember, here's how it goes, whether it's this way or not. You get sent out of the blue a check saying you've been selected, or there's a phone call followed up with a check for you to deposit it in your account then withdraw money, and in this case, wire it to another uh, uh, individual. Now, the check you might have received was for, let's say, uh, $10,000. They asked you to withdraw uh, $5,000 and send it to their, to these other areas. So, therefore, you get to keep $5,000. They get $5,000. The problem is, as the, uh, as the allegations are, that the check wasn't any good, and and you are out of five thousand dollars that came out of your account, and this is the mystery shopper scam. It happens that way. This is just one of the varieties. <clears throat> Nine of the defendants were originally charged last year with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and they added a tenth. Uh, the uh, original defendants that are in law enforcement custody, eight in the United States and one in Nigeria. Uh, this case was worked by the U.S. Postal Service, the U.S. Uh, uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and with assistance by the Nigerian Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, and is being prosecuted in um, in the Chicago area. They have a. Uh, they used another scam that was alleged in the indictment, and this scam or scheme is known as a business email compromise. The defendants fraudulently obtained usernames and passwords, or sent spoofing email messages to employees claiming to be from a known business contact, instructing victims to change the wire instructions for bank payment. The charges alleged, per the instructions given. In the fraudulent emails, the victim then unknowingly wired funds to a bank account controlled by, in this case, the defendants. Um, 
and that had been opened in a fictitious name using a fake passport in this case. In other words, people came in out of the blue, sent to employees that we've been instructed from um, their headquarters for you to go change the, the number, change the banking routing, send it to this account as we decided to improve our financial stability. And the money goes in, and that account is a bogus account set up by people using fraudulent documents, in this case, a fake passport. So you, you've got to remember, you've got to be on the lookout out there that it's something sounds too good to be true or sounds unusual. Be skeptical and check it, um, especially when we're dealing here with, with seniors um, who want to believe. And a lot of a lot of seniors, by the way, as you know, and you can just look at your friends and relatives, that they are that they tend to be lonely. They might be living alone. Nobody calls them. They think that nobody cares until they get this magical phone call, and this phone call all of a sudden just uh, just solves their money problem, or somebody's willing to talk to them, or. It gives them hope that 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 there'll be a relationship at the end of the uh, of the phone call, and it'll carry on. And that has to do with a lot of people being uh, lonely or or have little interaction with other people. It's interesting when we um, I was at a seminar listening about financial scams dealing with sweepstakes and and lottery scams. And the investigators made a big point saying rural areas are are targeted by the scamsters. Um, they do that because they feel that uh, <clears throat> there won't be the sophistication in the local police in real rural area, and that if, if there is, there'll be so many cases for so few police officers that... Um, nobody will really get involved investigating it versus working around a large metropolitan area. So uh, I had some people when I was speaking up in some mountain communities ask me, are they being targeted? And um, now after listening to that, I can honestly say, yes, you are being targeted, your area. Uh, Your name just happens to be on a list that they bought. There's no other reason to think there's anything different about that. But where you live, to some of these fraudsters, does mean a, a big a big deal. Because if they can get you conned and not have to worry that much about enforcement of any fraudulent, you know, of any uh, federal, state, or local laws, um, you know, they're just going to do it. They are they're more inclined to um, take the route uh, that's the easiest to go, like anybody else. I think we have to remember constantly these people are in for the money. They're not in to help you. They're not in to help anybody. They're in there to get the money. It's all about the money. And that's why they set up these these rooms where they sit there and they just have 10, 20, 30. I, I heard in one of these countries it can be as sophisticated as renting a big kind of warehouse and they've set up... 50 or 100 phones and they have people calling they have these lists because they're trying to, to generate um, uh, money and uh, and all it takes is one out of every 10 one out of every 100 the money comes in 
And remember, these are fraudsters, and it's tax-free, and and they come in. So uh, <clears throat> just be careful, be safe. Remember, if it's too good to be true, it is. So with that, we're going to uh, end this second segment of the Safe Senior Hour and look forward to speaking to you on the next segment. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m., on America's Web Radio. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the third segment of the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, Joe Gavallis here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, today we're just... Uh, doing a summary, trying to get an update on the financial issues, um, frauds that are taking place, and then just a general overview again of uh, for the seniors that are listening uh, in the United States and around the world, um, issues about elder abuse that affects people everywhere, wherever you live or, or could affect them. Uh, Uh, we define elder abuse in our group, the North Georgia Elder Abuse Task Force, as uh, a physical, financial, and institutional. Um, the uh, elder abuse victims often live in silence, uh, desperation, unwilling to seek assistance because they unfortunately believe their cries for help will go unanswered and they fear retaliation from their abusers. Um, you know, many of them, you know, the abusers will stay silent to protect family members from legal consequences of the crime or too embarrassed to admit they've fallen victims to, to, the, to predators. And the other one is that that people believe, especially when you deal with physical and sexual crimes against the elderly, others fear that no one will believe them. 
and um, that it's uh, people uh, might think you're just uh, that because of their age and because of uh, other issues that they're not believable. So this is why we're asking, you know, uh, caring family members, friend or caretaker to uh, take any action and bring it to the to the professionals to the attention before the um, before these things get out of hand and people either get hurt physically or financially uh, the problem of elder abuse has really really been identified and grown um, in terms of knowledge by both law enforcement and uh, social services and they have they have expanded dramatically to meet the growing need there are people out there who will help you so if you know of a friend a, a loved one a relative that there's an indication that there's some abuse or neglect please feel free to call a professional call a local law enforcement call the adult protective service in your area they will be able able to get help uh, as we spoke before, we we uh, identify elder abuse as basically in three areas of physical, emotional elder abuse, financial abuse, and then, of course, institutional. And people ask me as I give talks all around, um, all around the state or the southeast here, what is physical and emotional elder abuse? Well, physical abuse, and we don't talk that much about it, but it can be obviously a physical assault, uh, a sexual assault, or unreasonable physical constraint. Uh, I mean, I've heard cases where people are actually tied down in their beds where they can't get up so that the, the caretaker or loved one can go outside and go out and, in one case we had here the uh, the paid caretaker um, locked the uh, the resident in his room uh, from a lock on the outside. She left with her boyfriend and was found behind a big, uh, huge, um, big block store, uh, drinking and uh, cavorting in the uh, in an automobile with her boyfriend while the person she's supposed to be taking care of is locked in, had no way to get out, no way to get out. You had to need a bolt cutter to get out. She used a big lock. So, you know, that would that would be a, clearly a sign of abuse. Prolonged deprivation of food or water. Uh, <clears throat> it's a sad situation when you see it or you hear about it, but if you hear any indications from a loved one that they haven't gone to get help, they need to do it. Um, and, again, the inappropriate use of physical or chemical restraint. I know there was a, a case where they stopped a, uh, a, a relative who just didn't want to care for the senior anymore, just kept the senior so drugged that it was basically um, just lying in bed all day well, this person just in the downstairs area just took care of, of her personal business, leave the house, would lock them into the room. So we need to be we, we, we need to be, be aware of this or if you hear of it, 
to bring it to the to the uh, authorities and adult protective services. There was other issues, neglect issues, failure to assist in personal hygiene, failure to provide clothing and shelter, failure to provide medical care, failure to protect from health and safety hazards, and failure to prevent malnutrition, dehydration. And then then there's always self-neglect where somebody lives alone and just can't take care of themselves. Again, not all these issues would necessarily be a criminal issue, but they certainly are red flags where you should call the professionals to let them look at it, evaluate the situation, and let them make the appropriate decision. The last thing we want is some senior to be suffering through pain because of neglect and somebody outside of of that person's home knew about it but failed to report it. Another issue that that's, that happens um, and that we, we hear about frequently is emotional abuse. And emotional abuse, and, and the example that's always given is um, uh, like verbal assaults, threats, or intimidation. Subjecting an individual to fear, isolation, or serious emotional distress. Withholding of emotional support and just total confinement where nobody has access to them. The case I'm familiar with is a, uh, is a son, the son who's in his 40s, constantly told his mother if, he, if she doesn't allow, if she doesn't sign this check, which happened to be for substantial amounts of money to pay the son or pay for the son's truck or pay for the son's activity, again, the son's 40, 50 years old, that the son has no other recourse but put the mother in a nursing home, which is the last thing they want. So he's using the fear, the intimidation of her to get something out that she doesn't necessarily want to pay or should pay, but this is how the money is um, is obtained through this intimidation factor. Now, how do you, as a, as a, as a friend or, or a, a relative that only sees the, the person sparingly, 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 I guess, um, how, what are some recognizing the warning signs? And again, the existence of any one or more of the following ones I'm going to talk about does not mean that abuses occur. Instead, treat them as signs that diligent attention or investigation is needed. And again, investigation will be done by the professionals, whether it's law enforcement or it's adult protective services. They need to be made aware of. And some of these things to look at, look for as you go out and you visit your neighbor, you visit your loved ones, you visit your relative. Um, Uncombed or matted hair, poor skin condition or hygiene, unkempt or dirty, patches of hair missing or a bleeding scalp, any untreated medical conditions, malnourished or dehydrated, foul smelling, torn or body clothing or undergarments, scratches, blisters, laceration or pinch marks, unexplained bruises or welts, burns caused by scalding water, cigarettes or ropes, Injuries that are incompatible with explanations. 
any injuries that reflect an outline of an example, a belt cord or a hand, hand cord. These are things to look for. As we said, doesn't mean anything is absolutely wrong, but it means get it to a professional. Get people to look at it. These are things that, that, that we don't want our loved ones, we don't want our elderly to have to go through. Does, does this happen? Absolutely. I, um, um, I just I was talking to somebody again in one of the senior meetings I had who talks about the, um, the, the hiring of an outside person or a loved one who lives with that elderly who fails to take care of these situations um, needs to be brought to the attention of law enforcement or adult protection or or both. This is um, this is a sad situation and and it can only get worse. And it's very common to see people. Uh, I I know I talk about the case where the neighbor finally finally realized they had to do something. They hadn't seen this woman in in, in several weeks and happened to go over and looked at her, and she was laying in bed in her human waist and had these sores on her from laying in bed that were just absolutely horrible. They had heard about it. They had seen this earlier before at a lesser stage, and they went home and said, we've got to do something about it. So they called the local sheriff. The sheriff went in, uh, called for code enforcement to come, obviously called for an ambulance, went in, got into the house on a welfare check, said that the smell and, and the, the condition was so bad that uh, they had to wear mask, air mask, and get the woman out and get her to a hospital for her safety. It is this kind of situation where the neighbor said, I wished I told the, the law enforcement earlier what was going on. Well, at least she finally told her, and so this this got the woman out, got her some help, got her up to a hospital. The downside is the home was so bad, the son who was coming every week to take care of her obviously didn't report this to anybody, did not improve the sanitary conditions, and the county came in with the, how, with the smell and reeking and, and the condition of the house basically just uh, quarantined the house uh, and said nobody could live there until all this got cleaned up so here's a woman got taken out of her house because nobody was taking care of her she couldn't do it and she's in the hospital her getting herself taken care of and all she wants to do is go home that's all she said she wants to live at home and now the home is condemned because of the horrible health conditions which affect not only her but the other neighbors. It is a sad state of affairs when things like this take place. And, and, and so if you know of anything, if you see anything, please go ahead and, and call the professionals. Law enforcement, uh, adult protective services, you can make a difference. And remember, elder abuse doesn't report itself. And it is a it is an issue that we uh, we need to be aware of, especially with our with our seniors that are around us. It is a uh, it is a horrible situation. So with that, we we're, I'm going to close down segment three, and we will be going into four, and we'll continue our review 
of abuses and what you can do about it. Again, Joe Gavallis on the Safe Senior Hour. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to the uh, final hour on the Safe Senior final segment on the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, Joe Gavallis here, and remember, as we always say, elder abuse doesn't report itself. And if you have any questions, updates, comments, or items you want us to talk about, please send us a uh, email at safe at americaswebradio.com. Uh, it is uh, our topic today is we're trying to just go through and update some of the um, issues we talked about fraud and what to do and how to what to look for and um, when and how to report it. We're talking about, as we said, we look at three different types of um, abuse, physical, financial, and institutional. And we're spending most of this this last two segment, the last segment, this segment, on physical abuse, things to look at, things that you need. It doesn't mean if you see this, it means that somebody's going to do something uh, immediately. But you need to make these issues aware to the police, law enforcement, and/or Adult Protective Services of the United States, or the appropriate one throughout the at, in your country. Behavioral warning signs that we should look for. Seniors that all of a sudden become withdrawn, confused, or extremely forgetful. Very depressed. Helpless or angry. Hesitant to talk freely is an important sign. If you see a notice that people talk differently when their caregiver or loved one who's taking care of them is around versus when they're alone. I know that happens many times. Um, we've had people say constantly, "You need to talk to X, Y, Z alone. Don't don't let her, don't ask the questions when uh, her caregiver's there or her loved one that's supposed to be doing it or the paid caregiver." And especially if people seem frightened, and you can tell, you can judge, and the professionals certainly can tell. Uh, to isolate uh, the elder is a tool used by many abusers, um, and that's to keep them from any real contact um, 
with the outside world other than just the caregiver. And, and again, let me say this. Almost all caregivers, loved ones, are fine people, honest people that aren't there abusing anybody. God bless them for taking care of our seniors, and, and we appreciate it. But there are the, the cases that there are abusers, and we certainly need to make that up, make people aware of things to look for. Uh, remember when they're isol- isolated the victim is eventually driven to distrust friends doctors and even close family members so they rely solely on, on that one caregiver to take care of all their needs and everybody else that they just kind of shun be, be aware of that because if people do, do that now they become totally dependent on one person. That's why they need outside contact. So your visits, your calls are just great. <clears throat> Family members or caregivers have isolated the elder, restricting the elder's contact, including visitors from doctors, clergy, or friends. We've had cases here where uh, people call up and say, we want to come over and see Sarah. We haven't seen Sarah or Jim. And they will say, well, they're, they're busy right now, or they've got to go to the doctor. And call after call, there's an excuse where you never can get over, you never can get to their house or resident to see the person. And then the other big, big red flag, and police and law enforcement look for this, as does APS, is they're not given the, the, uh, the, the seniors not not given the opportunity to speak freely without the care being present, and that happens, especially when you see bruises and things like that. If the caregiver's there, and the caregiver might have been a legitimate bruise, somebody might have honestly fallen, but also it could be somebody grabbed the senior or uh, did some physical contact, but the senior. With the person who did it sitting right there is not going to open up and be honest with you. So, if you, anytime you can have an opportunity to speak alone with the senior, you'll get a better idea of what's happening. But remember, we talked about it, and and we have to say any person who suspects abuse should report it. The idea, the worst case scenario I could see would be going home in bed at night and waking up and finding abusive action cause serious damage or even death to somebody who you knew was being abused physically but you just didn't want to get involved and to know you could have done, you could have possibly done something and all we're asking is to call anonymously talk to your law enforcement talk to adult protective services whatever it takes to get the message through there is a elder that might have some issues or bring it to your attention. Let the professionals do their job. Um, the point is that the abuse can continue and often escalate since there's no intervention. It should be reported immediately. Well, just stop to think about it. If you get away with something early on, you're going to continue doing it. And if you're doing it, it can escalate and the condition gets worse and worse and worse. So if you get a chance, please, please report it early. 
Now, if you're in a, if you're in a institution, a long-term um, care, you have you have various choices to report what you think are su- any of the suspicious looking activity for physical abuse <clears throat> or the isolation or emotional abuse and that is you can go to and we've had them on our show the long-term care ombudsman there should be in every long-term care facility they should be posted how you get in touch with them they are they are a a uh, a organization that will re- will Remain well. The information will remain confidential unless it's approved. But at least they can then talk about the general topic with the appropriate people, or obviously local law enforcement um, that um, that deal with any kind of abuse, uh, be it physical, be it institutional, be it financial. And then, of course, if it's dealing with. Um, uh, maybe Medicare, you can report it to the federal government, the Medicare, you know. The reporting person on on all these reporting things is protected from both criminal and civil liability in, in, in many areas. So we kind of covered that. It's been significant. It's a significant uh, issue, the physical, emotional, institutional uh, signs. We talk about... <clears throat> The other type of abuse, or two other, obviously, we just talk physical, we talk financial. And the um, idea of, of financial abuse uh, deals with the theft or embezzlement of money or other personal property from the elder. Now, that can be by, by a, um, as simple as taking money from a wallet, as complex as manipulating a victim and turning over property to an abuser. This form of abuse can be devastating because elder victims' life savings can disappear in a blink, leaving them unable to provide for their own care. Now, as we talk about that, the vast majority, that's the biggest abuse going on against seniors is financial abuse. The biggest abuser are loved ones, uh, uh, home, um, uh, personal care people that that are trusted by the senior, and they come in and they then financially either manipulate the person or can get into the accounts. Not all of them. Most caregivers are fine people. But where you hear or see some possible abuse, please make sure you report it. And it can be from that small, people stealing out of a wallet, people stealing. Uh, uh, we've had cases where, where uh, caretakers have uh, gone to the back of a checkbook and ripped out checks and constantly cash those checks because the senior doesn't balance the checkbook and doesn't know because on the front of the checks, check 10 1051 is there 1052 1053 but what you don't realize is the person went in the back of the checkbook and got 10 60 65 66 67 and been writing them and because nobody balances the checkbook that can be um, that can go undetected for a long time 
the um, some signs we should look at as as we as start to wrap up the the last segment uh, that we should look at for um, financial abuse, unusual bank account activity, such as withdrawals from automatic teller machines when the individual can't go to the bank. Signatures on checks and other documents that don't resemble the elder's signature. Checks or other documents signed when the elder cannot write or understand what he or she is shining. You see that many times with people with dementia. That they'll start and they'll get confused and people will say, just sign here, and they think they're, the people think they're signing for X, but they're really signing for Y. Uh, <clears throat> Lack of personal amenities, appropriate clothing and grooming items. Um, when a person isn't being taken care of and there are issues about uh, what the money is being spent, look at it. For example, if you see money being spent at a grocery store on somebody's credit card or uh, or a debit card and alcohol is on the bill and the person, the elderly, doesn't drink, that money, her money can't be used to benefit somebody else like that. So, again, alone it might not mean a lot, but you put it together and you need it to get it to the um, professionals, the law enforcement, adult protective services. Also look for any numerous unpaid bills when some are, someone else has been designated to pay the bills. Meaning somebody comes in that might have the uh, power of attorney to write bills or to handle it, that uh, be, be careful there. And again, always look for a change in spending patterns, such as how the person buys, and also an appearance of a stranger who begins a new close relation and offers to manage the elder's finances. With that, um, this is the end of, uh, of our today's session. But remember, elder abuse doesn't report itself. And look forward to speaking with you uh, next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.